Okay, everybody. So welcome to episode four of the Etheric Update. I'm Catherine Craig, intuitive guide and transformation teacher. And my mission here, as you all know, is to help you connect to your divine self through uh, grace, presence, and love. So today is our fourth episode of the Etheric Update, and I'm so excited to be here with our special guest of the day, the beautiful and talented Kate Straykosh. Kate is a nourishment and intimacy coach who believes in the inner and outer connection of wellness and radiance. She is the owner and founder of Sunshine Kate's Wellness Center in New Jersey. Kate has a degree in whole food, Based nutrition from Bestier University in Seattle, Washington, and her foundation of working with nutrition took her on a deep dive into the energetic and emotional layers of the body through sacred sexuality, which I'm most excited to talk to you about, uh, somatic therapy, and empowerment coaching. And Kate's additional certifications include sex, love, and relationship coach, the juicy stuff, uh, the very much needed men's sacred sexuality coach, erotic somatic educator, certified yoni practitioner, and we'll talk about what that is, goddess to the core, inside out workout core instructor, and uh, aesthetics training through the Aveda Institute. So Kate is also a devoted explorer, as I know her very well, of life and experiences and her curiosity and passion of travel, food, and culture have led her to explore and lead wellness retreats in locales such as Mexico, Morocco, Spain, Bali, Italy, Canada, as well as extensively through the beautiful United States. I know you just got back from Wyoming, so I can't wait to hear all about that. Um, now, I wanted to have you particular on this month since I felt like your work ties in so deeply to our energetic themes for September, which are the ideas of being born anew in divine knowing and our capacity for creativity and grace. And as you know, the womb energy, the divine feminine energy speaks very loudly regarding those themes. And I was like, I need to get Kate on here. So um, because in our offline conversations, I've been just so excited about the work you've been doing specifically regarding sexuality and around the sacred feminine and sacred masculine. So I know this work has been calling you specifically for allyship. And um, I can't wait to hear more about it. And I can't wait for our guests to hear more about it. So tell us a little bit about who you are um, and what the work you're doing is and kind of what brought you into this work. Well, Catherine, I'm so grateful that we get to have this conversation today. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. So it's a journey. It's been a journey where mm -hmm. I reflect back to, I've always been a curious seeker of life and in my late teens became really attuned to natural medicine holistic health that led me to studying nutrition and fast forward to my later 20s where I had so much information in my brain but did not realize how disconnected I was from my body I was experiencing a lot of hormonal imbalance Mm -hmm. I had cysts that were bursting on my ovaries and irregular cycles and just felt like I had a lot of pent up emotion, mm -hmm. but it didn't match up because I was eating the way that I had learned best for blood type and, mm -hmm. and you know, all these right. different capacities. Mm -hmm. Fast forward, I met with the naturopathic doctor and she introduced me to this book called Feeding Your Demons. And it's an Eastern philosophy book talking about 
the emotions that we hold within our bodies and mm -hmm. where in the bodies. And it was so foreign at the time, but there was something deeply calling me in to say, okay, let's explore this work. And at the same time, she had me start to explore doing castor oil packs around mm -hmm. the moon cycle. Mm -hmm. And within somewhat of a shorter period of time, I was experiencing a regular cycle, supportive cycle. And I also felt like layers were unlocking and giving me space to actually explore them. So that was really one of the first rabbit holes of opening the doorway of realizing that we've got these resilient physical bodies, but beneath that, there's so much stored within the emotional and the energetic bodies. Mm -hmm. And so that led me to taking a deeper dive into women's health and exploring the work of Yoni steaming and castor oil packs. And once I started to practice that for my own ritual, for my own body, it was so clear that that was work that was the next place to move into working with clients. And mm -hmm. I've never looked back. It's been life-changing for myself, but just realizing that it's not this start and completion point of, okay, so I, I resolved the issue with the cyst, found a way with natural cycles. Life is always throwing different scenarios at us, whether it's a relationship that we're, we're mm -hmm. any kind of relationship, intimate relationship, working mm -hmm. relationship, friends, the world that we live in and how we process that and how we assimilate and integrate that. And so I just feel as we're, we're moving deeper in the journey, I'm just going deeper and deeper into how much we can actually explore within and it's endless. It's endless. And I, I'm going to sidebar a little bit because we met each other probably 10 years ago now. And I'm just looking back on seeing us we're like little baby, like not even baby, we're like little like adolescent healers. And now I feel like same thing with you. It's like, you think you've, you've like, oh, I got it. And then it's like these layers and layers and layers of healing and knowledge and continue to unwrap. And I would always say like, the more I've learned, the less I know, it sounds so cliche, but it's really like, but what I do know is that the continued interconnectedness. It's like, it just feels richer and richer and richer the older I get. Yeah. Yeah. Between what you're describing, like the moon cycle and the relationship with water and, you know, the emotional body and the energetic body and how, you know, disease isn't just, you know, I'm doing everything right. Like, why am I not getting better? Yeah. And just thinking back from that time that we had met each other to now, mm -hmm. the complexity of our own journeys of, of living life and all the experiences. And it really is that integration of how we continue to, to learn more about ourselves and thrive, not just survive in the world and adjust and acclimate to, to everything. Mm -hmm. And I think you're a little bit like me, you learn, you learn by doing, you know, it's kind of the curse of being a kinesthetic learner. So it's like through all my suffering, like now I'm able to help so many people. And I think you've experienced quite a bit of that too. So it's, it's a beautiful thing, but it, um, it yeah, it's now a gift. it's a gift. Exactly. Now you mentioned Yoni steaming. Can you enlighten us about what a Yoni is and what Yoni steaming is? Sure. So Yoni steaming is such an ancient, ancient practice that the roots come through ancient China, ancient Egypt, ancient Africa, where steam basically moves up into the vaginal tissue, but it's not just, it's such a 
confusion with defining what yoni is in general. So the vaginal tissue is just one portion of the mm-hmm. whole yoni center. Mm-hmm. The yoni is basically the entire lower belly. It's the sacred temple, the sacred space, mm-hmm. as it's translated through Sanskrit. But it's not just the reproductive organs. It's the urinary system. It's the digestive system. It's connected to our sacral and our root. So our first and second energy centers, which so much of that is our safety. It's our foundation. And it's also this beautiful place of creativity and flow with life. And so it's basically the story of our lives that lies in Mm -hmm. the center. So as you access using the heat that is, um, combining warm water with herbs the oils from the herbs travel up through the skin and move into the blood system and I just have this vision that the herbs know exactly where they need to go whether they're they, tuning they in do to, I mean herbs are you know it and I know it they do they know where they're going <laughs> the frequency of plant medicine and just mm-hmm. aligning when we approach it with such respect whether it's herbs to help detoxification, whether it's herbs to support imbuing this sense of trust back within the body, whether it's after trauma, sexual trauma, emotional trauma, even going through the birth trauma. There doesn't need to be a negative association with steaming. Basically, it can be for anyone, not just women, with Mm -hmm. yoni associating Mm -hmm. that, but men for lingam steaming and lingam basically translates to the penis Mm -hmm. and in sanskrit it's the wand of light it's the power source the vitality source the creative source so again when we're tuning back into this area it's such a sacred practice of sitting receiving the energy the presence of our bodies along with the allies of the plant medicine and moving up into the body it's it's so beautiful it's I speak about it with such reverence because it's something that I truly feel has been a divine connecting force in keeping me tuned in and really aligned with my body. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when I felt so disconnected, it's been a practice. It's been a practice I do in great high states of joy and bliss and other times in grief and sadness. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's something that anyone can do. That's so beautiful. I, I just... I love the way you describe it and what you're saying, the reverence and sacredness behind it, because I do think, you know, in pop culture, you know, it can get, um, you know, we oh, you know, Yoni steaming or what, you know, it's like people don't realize kind of the power behind it. Um, and it's a really beautiful practice and I'm so glad that you're bringing it out into the world. So you talked a little bit about how you got there and we talked about kind of the sacredness between yoni and lingam and I wanted to ask you a little bit more about this work that you're moving into with the sacred masculine and the sacred feminine and I just wanted to get your insight because I'm more trained in Chinese medicine I have the yogic background but you've studied some really interesting stuff I haven't studied so I'd love to get your take on um, kind of the interrelationship of the sacred feminine and sacred masculine and how you see that either just in its purest form or in how you're seeing it play out in the world these days. I love that. It's, there's so much now, if, if listeners look up sacred 
masculine, sacred, feminine, and there's so many different ways to define it. And yet no ways to define it because essentially it's yin and yang energy, that yang energy that we have within us. It's this force that is always within every single person, but however we identify within ourselves and sacred feminine to me is really the unseen intuition, that unseen wisdom that we, the gut knowing and how we mm -hmm. all connect with our own intuition. Some people viscerally feel it in the body. Others can see visions and get a sense, but it's that free flowing emotional and energetic sense of how we can trust in the, the mystery of life. And then the sacred masculine to me is so much of the structure of how we take those downloads of intuition, of insight, and we activate them in, in the linear steps. I mean, you're a living force mm -hmm. of it. You had that right. download of time to embark mm -hmm. on the next journey. And right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it, mm -hmm. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. You were on a roll. It's just so interesting because even reflecting back to different parts of my journey, the masculine side is really about the structure, the activation, the assertiveness, the control, which control can be abused and manipulative, but control can also be organization. And then the feminine is really flowing and going with it. And there have been sometimes looking back, oh, wow, I was just so checked out from my feminine or I was just over dominating on one mm -hmm. side. And it's really, it's this practice of just noticing our tendencies, noticing what, what we tune into to make our decisions, mm -hmm. to live life, to activate, and then how we apply that living in this world with other people <laughs> in relationships of all sorts, because that's one of the defining forces of alignment in relationships, I believe. And it's also one of the biggest forces of opposition in how we honor our own sacred feminine, sacred masculine, and with others. I want to pick your brain a little bit about this because I know you've worked with some couples and in intimacy coaching. And I noticed this in my own practice that oftentimes I worked with a lot of women going through fertility journey. And if there were kind of built up resentments or issues in the relationship, pregnancy was much harder to get to. Whereas sometimes we would be working either with mom or dad or future mom and dad. Um, and there would just be like a key that suddenly unlocked. And it's not only did the relationship improve, but then pregnancy happened very quickly and easily. I'm just curious to your thoughts on how couples or how people in relationship can get out of each other's own way, because oftentimes I'm noticing they both want the same things. They just get stuck at this little sticking point. It's the fertility piece has been such a big teacher in watching how clients in their partnership relate to each other and how they relate to their own bodies mm -hmm. and whether it's just first if they're just trusting in their natural rhythms in their body 
and how sometimes the woman is just, I, I've worked with clients that the woman's just using her partner as a machine, as a producer of sperm. And mm -hmm. there is no compassion. There's no <laughs> pleasure. It's there's, there's no eros and there's a disconnect. And I've seen a lot of men get very, um, it's upsetting to them and they haven't been able to express that. And it, it's, it's a very interesting phenomenon because when you're talking about the yin and the yang, that's a woman showing up in a very yang way in order to produce a child and not grounding down, you know, in her yin and sacred feminine. That's, that's what I would see as a common pattern in today's society, at least. Mm -hmm. And even to go a step deeper, and again, this is just example of, of a minute percentage in right. the world, but just the clients that I've been working with, clients that have gone through many cycles of IVF, and they, they have maxed out in the trust of their own bodies, when they've just taken a pause from everything, and again, this is just subjective to the clients that I have worked with, they have conceived naturally. Mm -hmm. And it's just so beautiful in so many different instances to watch when there's an opportunity to learn to trust back in the body. And also sometimes on the other side of that, to trust that. And I've had clients who were partnered, were married at the time. They were so focused on their fertility journey. They took a pause and then they realized they weren't even meant to be in the relationship anymore. Yeah. And then once that ended, they're journeys opened up in oh, totally different ways, ways yeah. a few clients I'm just thinking in my mind they got pregnant pretty shortly after when they were with new partners yep. and again I mean this is just a glimpse of experience but just that opportunity to see when we override from our minds from that place of is this really in alignment with my body and again I have deep compassion for the many many people that deeply desire to to conceive and it's just not happening in in their time and when that really does feel like it's such a challenge it's giving the bodies giving life an opportunity what other lessons can I access right now how else can I use my body in creative ways can I create or other places that are hidden in the shadows and the shadow piece is so huge when we talk about sacred sexuality when we talk about our creative force the shadow is really where there's so much suppressed deep down within, but yet there's so much wisdom there and there's so much magic. Can you tell our audience, for those who don't know what shadow may be, or explain that a little bit? So shadow may be, let's say we have endured childhood trauma around sexuality. I'm just going to use this as an example. And moving forward then, sex was viewed as dangerous, as dirty, as a predator approaching a victim. That could stay in the parts of the brain, in the primal brain, where all of our early life experiences move into our life experiences. It's almost like the ticker tape that's deep down within that can have such a hold on our current reality because mm -hmm. of past experiences mm -hmm. that the projections, the stories, they're not necessarily true in this moment, but it's, it's the hinges, the locks that keep us stuck in previous experiences. But then when we can go through 
de-armoring practices, which is basically a practice of aligning all parts of the brain, somatic experiences with feeling our body, resourcing our breath, resourcing how we deeply desire, how we want to feel, how we know we are deserving to feel. Mm -hmm. It can essentially rewire the brain. And so shadow work can be used with that. Shadow work can be used around money and wealth. If depending on the, the stories around money as we were growing up and, and conditioned to now, what is our, our current reality to money? But how, okay, so let's say grew up in a place where there wasn't extra money at all. And it was, it was very stark and limited. But now there's an opportunity where someone is, is in a successful flow with a job, with a career, but they don't necessarily have the means to be the container to hold that money, that they're still living in a place of, of lack or fear that they're going to lose everything. Mm-hmm. So the shadow work can relate to any aspect in life. But when we actually give ourselves a chance to explore, it's, it's almost looking at places that we feel shame around or we feel fear looking towards. But if we can shift the, the light and see it in a different way, it could essentially change everything. It's a long-winded answer and it's a lifelong journey with shadow work. It's, it's Yeah, that's that's what I want people to know. It's and I, we run up against it all the time. It's like, why well, I, I thought I was done healing. Like I I fixed that problem, you know, and it's like there are these layers and layers and it's a, it's a lifelong journey and that's not to say people need to engage with it all the time. I think it's important to take breaks and have fun and live your life at a certain point too. Um, but that's a really important to bring up about the shadow that it's not always, um, I think some people who I've worked with think that that's part of them where it's really just a part of their experience to reconcile and take responsibility for, but it's not a character flaw. It's not a personality issue. It's something to be worked with and to become conscious of, um, cause we, we all, we all got them, you know, so And even just to add one more piece, as you were Mm -hmm. saying that, it just prompted me that sometimes we're caught by surprise when a remembrance of an experience or a sensation comes through the body, whether it's just out of the blue, we could be driving, we could be walking and we have this memory or we're interacting with someone else and this flash moves through the brain. I truly believe that when the body shows us something that we're at the place that we can see it we can receive it and we can work with it. And mm-hmm. that can be applied to virtually any and all aspects of life that mm-hmm. our issues are stored in our tissues, but when they come up, we have the capacity to, to work with them and not I against them. Mm-hmm. I've always said, and this is a hard pill, like what you were saying, especially for people who have been through deep healing moments and um, myself included, this was a hard pill for me to swallow, but Ultimately, it's like our bodies are working for our highest self all the time. And to understand, even if you're going through really difficult health challenges, really awful things that your body is literally doing everything it can to keep you safe, you know, and it has this innate wisdom of being able to triage diseases and triage different pathologies, but it's also not an unlimited in resources. Um, but like I said, what you said, lots of compassion for people. And if someone has questions on that, feel free to reach out to me or Kate, because like I said, it's a, it's a difficult 
and nuanced concept to really understand and integrate into your nervous system, but just to plant that little seed there. Right. And to trust, to trust trust. in the body with that, when those messages come up, it's Mm -hmm. just, it's really, it's leaning into that remembrance of the body's wisdom. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Now, in terms of the shadow, we talked a little bit about this, but I'm curious what you've noticed in terms of um, patterns of dysfunction. We touched on a little bit that you often see in individuals or in relationships that have been coming up more more recently in the past couple of years. I would say the shadow, one of the biggest holds would be fear. Fear in taking up space in the body, taking up space in the world and not using our own body's power in a sovereign way, but using it in a way of looking outside. And even coming back, you mentioned the word leading us into the sacred sexuality to the erotic. The erotic is a life force that really is always flowing through us. It's basically as if we were to, this is a silly example, but today we went food shopping and they had figs, which are one of my most favorite fruits. And it's just such a delicious time when we find them. And they're the juiciest and they're just so soft and tender. And when I eat them, it just, I feel alive in my body. I feel my sensuality opening up, living through the senses. And so sometimes what happens with our erotic essence, with our arrows, the conditioning of just hiding, of just being fearful as to how we express ourselves overtly or using it in a way can be so suppressed that we become so numbed out that we lose the connection of our own body's access points. So I'm so curious about this erotic energy and how, what would be some advice you'd give to people one on how to identify it? Cause I think we've become very disconnected from not only pleasure, but eroticism. So one, how to identify it and to how could both men and women access it more easily? Because I also think men, you know, men, I think get very, it's easier for a woman to, to kind of move into that space in some ways. Right. And with the erotic energy, it doesn't even need to be used as relating to sex and intercourse with another mm-hmm. person, but it's using the sexual energy, which is really how we have this vitality that moves through us that we can feel sexual, but we're not, we're not disrespecting someone else. And I've, I've worked with many men who have come through maybe places where they've been experiencing erectile dysfunction or premature ejaculation or really disconnected from their own mind-body connection. The brain is the number, the largest sex organ in the body, the number one dictator. But because they're so worried about over flowing and overspilling that, projecting that on other people, that they shut it down, but that their sexuality could be used as their power. It could be used in a way of building up if, if it's a career focus that they want to for, focus on or mm-hmm. a new application in, in a physical workout or any mm-hmm. sort of capacity in that mm-hmm. way. And so applying this to both men and women and how we can access our erotic energy 
And let's just say as a solo person, not even working with a partner, tuning into the breath and just becoming so present of how the inhales, how the pause, how the exhales are moving through the body because we're so conditioned to operate from our brains that we're not even noticing how our breath is moving or how much we're holding. And in, in so much of life, we create these holding patterns of constriction that breath truly can't travel down into our belly. We can't mm -hmm. feel it. And so breath is a huge piece. And another simple, simple tool that you can do anytime, anywhere is just getting sense of the physical body feeling the body, holding the body, which is, okay, so maybe when we're bathing or we're dressing, we're doing that, but just taking a moment to place our palms on our head, to feel our skin, to feel the senses, to use different kinds of touch just for us and to notice how the body responds with that. I was thinking about that the other day, how powerful a practice grooming actually is, you know, and we talk about grooming and you know ladies used to take their they would have a whole vanity set up and their makeups and the powders and the perfumes and now we're all just you know like ponytail quick fast as we can you know and it's like can we move back into that sensual place of you know like taking pleasure in caring for ourselves and caring for our bodies and not just the functional the functional needs yes that's so Cause, true because mm -hmm. I would even say that's a need and I think a lot of us are lacking the the acknowledgement of sensuality, pleasure, eroticism as a need. Right. It's a need as we look at, okay, so what are our basic needs that we can define? Food. Shelter. Shelter, safety. But the interaction of how we can feel into our bodies enough to know our spatial relation to other people, our spatial relationship to, okay, this food makes me feel really alive putting on an oil and smelling it and feeling this response move up into the brain, maybe invoking a sensation, a memory, mm -hmm. even just noticing the contrast of temperatures of cold, of hot water, how we ingest what we feel on our bodies. It's all a sensual experience, but yet we're just wired to move quickly and to just, it's a, it's a function to our hygiene, you, get in, get out. I would say, do you think we're wired that way? Or is that more of a, this is a esoteric question, or is that a more a function of our kind of cultural programming? Yeah. Yes. I'd yeah. say cultural wiring. Cultural <laughs> wiring. Yeah. What do you and, think in terms of like our innate wiring? What would that, how would you describe that if we play imagination? The exact opposite, opposite. end of the spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> Even just, I'm fascinated <laughs> with ancient Greece and just looking at cultures where you just see even in ancient China, people just living in their mm -hmm. bodies, living in the voluptuous bodies, but just ancient Greece, you see, you know, how they just savor, they have feast right. with food, they mm -hmm. enjoy pleasure. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. So definitely, I would say, and even just sadly, with the age of technology, and how that's just sped up our functionality, our production, and that would be going back to when we were exploring sacred masculine energy. That would almost be an overuse of masculine energy where we're just so productive that there's no time for that feeling, for that intuitive flow in the body. But it's more, okay, shower is job, getting dressed is a job. There's no pause to experience it. 
I noticed that with clients, especially through the pandemic. So my male clients, they went from not all, you know, women commuted to, I don't want to, but a majority of my male clients who commuted into New York, they hated the commute two hours each way, boat, train, bus, who knows. They were so excited for work from home. And then about a year into work from home, they wanted their commutes back because it was actually a time work from home got out of control. It, 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 people were working from the time they woke up to the time they went to bed. There was no nine to five or nine to six or eight to six. It was just a constant seven days a week. Whereas Mm -hmm. now that the commute came back, they're like, I have two hours to decompress. I can watch a show on my laptop. I can read a book. I could, you know, just take a little nap before I get home and see my wife and kids. So I thought that was a really interesting, I still don't think a two hour commute each way is appropriate. So if anyone out there is running workplaces, maybe figure that out for the health and safety of your employees. But um, it was interesting to see that pendulum swing um, in terms of how the masculine kind of was disengaged in one way. And it, it was this kind of bell curve that, that shifted. So I'm curious to see mm-hmm. where that may go next. Mm-hmm. I resonate with that so much. Yeah. Yeah. And the expectation with that, that there isn't the nine to five structure, but that we're just expected to be on depending on the work environment. But so many people use their phones as their alarm clock. And so they, they grab it to snooze it, to turn it mm-hmm. off. But then what happens? You open up email, you open up social media and right away the brain gets stimulated. And with that, okay, how can we, how can we tune into our own patterns, our own daily routines in ways of just asking, how can I live more in my erotic body? And that's a big question, but just to, to open up that, that curious space. What would, what would you suggest? Cause I think like a morning and evening routine is a really nice way for people to start kind of shifting the expectations and shifting the boundaries around their work life and their family life a little bit. So do you have any suggestions for a morning routine or an evening routine that people could start to kind of bring some of that pleasure back into their life? Well, there's so many different ways to begin, but even (laughs) if it's a simple, simple switch is to get a battery operated alarm clock and Mm -hmm. to not use the phone. And if that's not possible, because you're using that as an alarm clock, put it down and take that first half an hour as a time, whether you're living solo, you're with your family to be present. If you're fixing coffee, you're fixing your drink in the morning to just be rather than that activation. And if it is feasible to get outside in those sweet morning hours, I am such a huge believer and advocate of tuning into the circadian rhythms and my dog's they know the routine. They wake up before sunrise and we go up and we, we watch it, but it's getting that, that sunlight onto our faces, exposing our eyes. And what that does is it signals the brain to start waking up and operating in the way that we are functioning, we're alert. And then in the dream world, it would be lovely to watch the sunset and then be off from technology. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is not always possible, but that the morning routine would be easing into that exposure and then the bookend of the evening routine would be the opposite of giving the body giving the eyes the brain space that technology is not used within the last 
hour, if not more. And lighting candles, using that instead of lights and homes. Mm-hmm. Now I know some people listening will be like, that is impossible. I can't do that. I get that. And I respect that. Right. In terms of nervous system regulation, do you feel that people can start when, I guess the question is, if someone wants to change, but doesn't feel it's possible, what do you feel is the path of least resistance for someone like that in terms of regulating their nervous system? bit by bit back to a more natural cycle Mm. and little bits too because if if someone feels so discouraged before they even begin there's such a limited capacity to open up but slow and steady and that might be with intentionally taking a few deep breaths first thing in the morning even let's say the technology piece is already part of it but just noticing how am I breathing? How am I inhaling? Where is it traveling to my body? What is my intention for this moment, for this day? Even if it's sitting in traffic and that mm-hmm. can be a challenge, but that can be such a powerful switch moving from that fight or flight into parasympathetic. And then that exhale of really feeling that release. When we take deep breaths, that activates the vagal response, the vagus nerve. And what does the vagus nerve do? It turns us, switches us back into that parasympathetic state where we can rest better we can digest better we can it's connected to every organ in the body Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I just want to say I've seen so many clients who do what's called paradoxical breathing so they are inhaling incorrectly the diaphragm actually moves upward than downward so just as a side note if you're listening to this and you feel like taking breaths is not working for you I would suggest being in touch with Kate or myself or another practitioner local to you who could help you just disengage the diaphragm so that you can start breathing and regulating the nervous system that way. Because I'm sure you've seen that a lot. I've seen that a lot. Yeah. And again, that's the conditioning of just what stress does with that overriding of Mm -hmm. of the nervous system. That's such a good point. We don't even realize we're doing it. And then I've had clients where I tell them, I'm like, just breathe. And then they come in the next week. I'm like, you're doing this all wrong. But, and it's, it's, there's not even an awareness. So it's like, you know, if you put your hands below the belly, it's like, we always want to make our belly big, like a balloon. I felt like a nursery school teacher. I'm like, make your belly big, like a balloon, you know? Yeah. Just to get the diaphragm to start dropping and then it will become more natural. So, but yeah, it's so powerful. Breath Breath is everything. I mean, breath work, and there's so much out there now with Mm -hmm. all sorts of amazing breath work techniques that can be done in just a couple of short, finite minutes, taking it all the way into breath work journeys. There's breathwork mm-hmm. retreats now, but when we honor just limited schedules, it's just those couple minutes that can change the whole pace of the day, the yeah. internal pace of the day. It's so beautiful. And in terms of breathwork and air, I know you're a, a deep study of yogic practitioner. Um, tell us a little bit about the air element and what that, how that might relate to when you're talking about the root and the sacrum. Mm. Oh, I like that. That's a good question. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, a dear friend who is a chiropractor and he always says when he's working on my body, he's like, you're just filled with so much air. And it's usually it's times where I'm 
something I know those places that I hold tension in my neck and my shoulders it's like okay let's start breathing back down into the body and I know it's it's what is dictating okay so much air how we float how we're not fully grounded we're not breathing deep and he's so right he he's the kind of practitioner that can have you laying down on the table and just watching where the breath is traveling to in the body and then saying okay what is happening asking a prompt of what's happening in life but the different elements air is such a dynamic force in in that lightness we can say that floatiness but it also if we have too much air that we aren't always fully present into what's happening in the here and now so i'm going to just end this little piece with air is more the projection of past passing through the present moment into the future rather than the root of here and now <laughs> I love so i that. hope that that makes sense but it's and i catch myself because there are other times where it's like oh i feel really rooted and that it's a heaviness there's no airiness to it at all but it's it's a beautiful sensation. And when we can dance with the elements, essentially, we, again, can just notice the cycles, notice our own cycle, cycles mm-hmm. of stress, cycles of pleasure, cycles of life. We'll have to do a whole chat on the elements, I think, coming up. I love, I love yeah. talking about it. It's, um, it was something when I first started studying, I was like, what is this? And then it's just like, such an integral part of life and knowing we were chatting a little bit before we got on here about late summer and just feeling how late summer you know moves from summer into fall and it's this beautiful earth element and you start to feel you know like the air getting cooler and you were describing um just this beautiful transition especially by the water and the ocean what what's going on there and that's even uh, going back to what you had asked with the nervous system if it's not possible to do more of the body work to do more of that presence just noticing what's happening around when you're outside what you're hearing right now in jersey the crickets are so alive and just in less than a month as it starts to really cool down they'll silence mm-hmm. noticing the shadows with the sunlight and just the, the texture of what life is showing us that can be such a beautiful regulator of our nervous systems too mm-hmm. Yeah, just being in nature for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, as much as you can be, is it's a gift. Riding with windows down in the car, all of it. Oh my, all of it, all of it. So I want to wrap up, but I want to know any last words of wisdom that you want to leave our audience, thoughts, feelings, concerns, great takeaways. The takeaway, because we, we covered a lot here in just mm-hmm. different aspects of, of life and the journey and where we arrive, to trust in, and I said this before, but really to lean into the trust of your own body's wisdom and your own body's cycles. Excuse me, my dogs are working a little bit. <laughs> they affirm that. They affirm trust in your body. Yeah, <laughs> They do. They're advocates of that. <laughs> but to trust in all of it and to trust in the seasons of your body because sometimes we're living in these seasons of spring where we feel so fertile we feel so lush we feel so creative and yet we can also really have long winters of stagnation of heaviness but when we can honor that all of our journeys on this planet in this life 
our cycles and that we can, there's always an opportunity to tune back within and to learn something that it's just, it's a gift. It's probably one of the biggest challenges as well to really attune back to that wisdom. But from there, the capacity for all possibilities within and external are there. I actually, today I was looking through, I was doing a little organization and I came across this notebook that I keep really sacred quotes and stories that I, I find and I jot down. And this one really spoke to me and I, I kept it nearby for our conversation. And it's it. a little poem by David White. Mm-hmm. And the title says, Enough. These few words are enough. If not these words, this breath. If not this breath, this sitting here. This opening to life, we have refused again and again until now. Until now. And knowing that we are all enough just as we are in this moment. And there's there's always something waiting in leaning into that trust and that wisdom within. I love it. That was so beautiful. Kate, I cannot thank you enough for being here. And there's so many juicy bits I want to take out of our conversation. I feel like we'll have 10 more episodes out of all of this. There's just such a richness. And like you said, we covered so much in such a short period of time. But um, again, I want to thank you for being here today and being present with us and sharing all of your wisdom and knowledge. And with that, I want to give everyone listening a big thanks for listening today. And if you are interested in learning more, you can like, subscribe, leave a review or question for the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or Google. And if our discussion moved or resonated with you, you can share it with a friend, give us a follow on social media. You can find me at Catherine Craig Etheric on Instagram or TikTok. And Kate, where can everyone find you? So my website is sunshinekates.com. Mm-hmm. My social media, Instagram and Facebook, Sunshine Kates. And I'm in the midst of birthing a new brand called the Intimacy Doula. There is a, an Instagram and the website is coming out in the next couple of weeks. In the length of birthing an elephant, but it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling. I know the feeling. But everyone can give a follow on Sunshine Kate's. And then when Kate's fully done gestating and has birthed her new project, you'll be able to follow follow her there. And don't forget to send either one of us a direct message if you like the episode or have an experience you want to share. Um, And there's so much more to come. So thank you so much. And we will see you next time. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you for everyone listening. Thank you. Thank you.